Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Welcome to Bring It On. We are celebrating 14 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, events, and issues impacting the African-American community. Uh, Good evening. I'm Clarence Boone, and in the next hour, uh, we're going to have a conversation with two phenomenal uh, South High School, Bloomington South High School students, uh, Needy Krishnan and Darby Fitzsimmons. Again, two dynamic students from Bloomington High uh, here to speak with us concerning their social activism with various organizations with the city of Bloomington. I can't wait to get them on. And um, now we are so pleased to be joined by uh, two individuals who are working with the Bloomington Black History Month uh, celebration. Uh, We have with us, we have uh, McQueeba Reese, who is the Black History Month chair, and James Saunders, who is the Black History Month kickoff chair. And they're here to sort of go over a, a number of activities that have gone on to date, and then also looking ahead throughout the year, I mean, throughout the month, which I could say a year. I mean, we could. Uh, we could. We can keep Black History Year. That yes. Would be, that would be great. 365 days. That sounds like a T-shirt to me. We started it right here on WFHB. Yep. But see, <laughs> William and I are from Gary, Indiana, and it's, it was always Black History Month. Year. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, they're here to kind of give us an overview, too, of, of an annual uh, signature event, the State of the Black Community Address, which will take place tomorrow at 6 p.m. at the City Hall Council, Ch- Council Chambers. Again, that's 6 p.m. And this signature event will feature a coalition of organizations discussing education, economics, and the criminal justice system as they relate to the Bloomington black community. And again, here to provide the overview will, uh, that will be provided by McQueba Reese, Black History Month Chair, and James Saunders, Black History Month Kickoff Chair. Welcome to Bring It On. Hello, world. My name is McQueba Reese. I'm so happy to be here tonight. I'm James Sanders. Um, it's a pleasure to be here again also. <laughs> and, and, and while this is radio, you, you have to see the chemistry between these two. They are long-lost friends, everybody. No. And, and I can feel the love <laughs> uh, to the extent that we have future plans for these two, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so one of the things we want to talk about tonight, um, you know, there have been some phenomenal things going on um, this month alone, and, of course, the kickoff, which was phenomenal. And there have been a host of things. There were some things at the Black Culture Center because this is sort of viewed as a town-gown collaboration. Uh, you had the um, Marvin Chandler documentary that uh, uh, was aired not too long ago and will re-air again. Um, and you can download the calendar. We'll, we'll give you that information. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do that now. Are you both familiar with the download address for the Black History Month? Go to the City of Bloomington's website, go to Black History Month, and then there will be a uh, sort of a tab or link to download the calendar. Very colorful, well put together uh, Black History Month calendar. Mm-hmm. The title, Reclaiming Our Time, City of Bloomington Black History Month 2019. Yeah. This is phenomenal. <coughs> Let's talk about what has gone on so far uh, to date. 
something well, you want to point out? Well, I'm sure James could um, kind of highlight the Black History Month because it was such a magnetic um, event filled with um, conversation and also um, arts and stuff like that that were uh, displayed. And so it was just an amazing time just to come together to celebrate uh, a collective of uh, black blackness in Bloomington. So, which event was this? This was the Black History Month kickoff that took okay. place. Okay. Kickoff, the one that I missed. January thirty yeah, first. You did. We missed January your presence. 31st. What happened? <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my fault. I'm sitting at home no and I got my dates wrong. I oh, really? I, yeah. yeah. So oh. I'm sitting there watching TV and then I see a post on Facebook about Don and Nicole. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then I, I realized I missed it. Visionary Leaders. I think that was yeah. the inaugural. Uh, yes, the first time the we inaugural presentation of that award. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, they didn't so know they were su they were surprised and makes it even um, better. Donald it? Donald was there, but he, we had to reel reel in Nicole. So that was awesome. Well, she was worth the wait. Mm. Okay, so that event went off very wonderfully. And um, what else has happened since that time that you care to talk about? Um, I, there were a couple of other events that took place. The Neil Marshall kickoff, oh my gosh, the juke joint, that was so amazing. It was just like full of um, talent in the room from community individuals and then also students that were um, there to display the historical um, uh, black artists and just kind of like re relive um, the times. Uh, so that was a really good event. And there was food provided there by yes. food. Uh, local yes. vendor. Shout out to Monica Johnson, the director <laughs> yes. of the Neil Marshall Black Cultural Center. She was actually on last week and, and talked at length about that in a wonderful relationship with, I think, Joella's yes. Uh, yes. Chicken and Waffles. Yes. Yeah. Monica, don't, great don't event, as always. <laughs> I, I've got to get there. I have not, I'm For sorry, sure. I've not been there yet, but I will I will make my pilgrimage there. Man, you can't get You know they have vegan chicken? I'm, I like, they have no, vegan chicken and it's actually really good. Uh, like it's seasoned well. Okay. Contradiction <laughs> in terms, isn't it? <laughs> I, it's, it's I know you can do wonderful <laughs> things with uh, soybean, but uh, nah, it was absolutely I don't know. Amazing. Nah, I don't know. Shout out to that. Okay. That's so like cardboard leather. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, we're, we're here to, to lift up Black History Month. Black History Month. Right. And, and, and we're talking about fried chicken. That's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. hey, we're talking that's about gastrointestinal right. distress here. Okay, <laughs> so, um, and then we had the wonderful uh, uh, documentary for Reverend Marvin Chandler. Um, Liz Mitchell worked pretty hard on that, and that, mm -hmm. of course, was just wonderful. Now, there is a re airing, and I believe. We'll get that date to you. I think um, it will be on WTIU, and I should know this right <laughs> off. If you missed the original airing, you really owe it to yourself to go and see the re-airing about uh, Marvin Chandler. Yeah, and I know um, we'll we'll continue on. We'll get that date yeah. to you. We won't let you yeah. down. Okay, what else has gone on? Well, can I ask a question first? Yeah. I want to hear more awesome. about the award that was presented to the Griffins. Well, especially since that was the first one. Well, it was like I said, um, it was an, an inaugural. Inaugural. What, what uh, was the name of the award? I actually Visionary Leader yeah. of Leader Leader Award. City um, Bloomington Visionary City Leader. Uh, yes. Of Tomorrow Award. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was. It was an award um, really created by um, Beverly Calendar Anderson. Um, she works for um, the City of Bloomington. She's actually the um, community director, community, yeah, director of the um, Community and Family Resources Department. So um, 
you know, the the Griffins do a lot around the city. A lot of people don't even know, um, and they do it very quietly. And so they're pretty bashful about any recognition that they receive. So it was, um, like I said, a surprise, and it was uh, wonderful to see them and lift them up um, among our community. So is that going to be an annual award? It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Clarence will get it next year. Well, we'll see. Got put you. Well, I submitted <laughs> William's name, so we'll see. <laughs> um, I guess we could talk about a little bit why we chose reclaiming our time. Um, I know we put down like reclaiming our time is our theme this year, and I know a lot of people are familiar with Maxine Waters and her famous reclaiming my time statement during a financial service committee um, hearing with the Trump administration. And so with that reclaiming my time statement, it really um, essentially it inspires us to reflect on ways historical wrongs are build- being corrected in the spaces the black community has created to celebrate culture, history, and community. Mm-hmm. And so personally, for me, reclaiming my time is like for me to reclaim my voice and what that means. Um, and I think that our the committee collectively had a desire to um, really emphasize how in different spaces we have reclaimed our time because you can think about it like um, throughout the nation uh, a lot of individuals, political individuals um, more so have been reclaiming their time, especially black bodies uh, like Stacey Adams you know, uh, Abrams, sorry uh, trying to reclaim their spaces um, even when it was robbed from them, right? And so I think that that's something that um, really is out there I feel like as a, a, a collective, like a black collective that we're trying, that we are really emphasizing different spaces that we are um, wanting to permeate and be involved in. So. Yes. Um, and if I could add to that, um, we're not only reclaiming our time, but uh, different things that we believe that we've lost personally and as a culture. Um, I think you, um, a perfect example of that is you know the grammys last night Mm -hmm. we see a lot of we see a lot of artists um that you know borrow from black culture and things of that nature and we don't really get the recognition that um, we deserve as as black people and people of color um so it was nice to see a lot of awards handed out to black individuals um uh, donald glover uh, mm-hmm. won four grammys for the very controversial song this is america so um i believe that fits with the theme uh, that we have this year because um we're reclaiming so many things mm-hmm. um and we not only reclaim things, but we're recognizing a lot of things, like more and more about police br- brutality and the systemic oppression that um, people of color suffer from. The um, I think people are reclaiming their political status because mm-hmm. a lot of people voted um, in the last year's uh, midterm elections even. Um, I think that we're recognizing a ton of things and we're becoming more, I guess the kids would say woke. Mm-hmm. And working together, even with uh, Diddy, I saw something on social media where uh, Sean Combs, or AKA P. Diddy, <laughs> he, um, him and a group of black men were, and black females and their wives and um, individuals came together and they were talking about economic growth and economic prosperity within the black community. Um, and also learning more about the fact that certain celebrities and individuals are putting together 
um, references so that people know where black business where to go uh, for local black businesses. Um, so that's putting money back into our economy and stuff like that. So I think that this theme is really resonant to what's um, what's taking place right now, uh, especially on those social media outlets. Can we uh, include black women reclaiming their Yes, power? absolutely. For Let's sure. talk about it. After their performance. Black women. In, you know, Alabama yes. and uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ayanna, um, I can't believe her. I can't Ayanna Presley. Presley um, coming hard. I mean, it's just amazing to watch and witness. Like I already mentioned Stacey, um, and even the fact that she was able to be the Democratic um, speaker. And then can we get a shout out to Jennifer Crossley? She's the first black African-American woman here in Bloomington who is chairing the Democratic Party. And so I think that is absolutely phenomenal to witness. Yeah, Uh, give Jennifer a shout out. I just did. (laughs) (laughs) No, you asked, could you? Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, I guess. I just kept going. Okay. But um, it's just phenomenal to watch and witness uh, black women um, doing our thing. And it's just uh, very inspiring. On your committee um, for planning and executing Black History Month, how many people, and can you name off who those people were? Okay, Uh, let me get my list out because I don't want to miss nobody. Um, This was last year's. Um, But this year's group was, give a shout out to Shatoya, our liaison for Black History Month. She is absolutely incredible at what she's doing. Yes. Um, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna kind of shout her out even more because she's doing a ton of work and she's only being paid for maybe a third of it. So it's very awesome to uh, see what she's doing. And that was from James. Uh, that was James. I mean, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> William Hosea, myself, James, Glowhow, um, Gloria, um, and then we also have um, Martha, Martha, um, Martha Chamberlain, yeah, and then we also have Doris Sims, she was there too, and then um, trying to visual the meetings, uh, one, two, three. I think that's it. And then we had our own subcommittee. So that's what took place this year. Yes. And you want to give a shout out to that amazing kickoff oh, I had team. A, um, I had a subcommittee, <laughs> but um, we had uh, wonderful shirts. Um, uh, those were made by uh, Miss Atia Sahir. We had April White, um, Maurice Johns, my esteemed frat brother, um, uh, Joy Forrest, um, Eric Scott. Um, Okay. Yes. <laughs> You're having and a sidebar. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Forgive me if I left anyone out. Uh, Dante? Oh, yes. My other esteemed frat brother, Dante Miller. He actually um, introduced the speaker. And speaking of those speakers for the um, Bikers from on the kickoff, we had uh, Dr. Dion Dance, who's a professor at IU, and we had Judge Valerie Houghton. Um, and they did a, a wonderful job. They both came with. Um, two different perspectives of what it meant to reclaim their time. So very we're very powerful. grateful very for them. Powerful. Was it Jasmine? What's Jasmine's last name? Uh, Jasmine Denny and Troy. Thomas. Thomas sang beautifully. Yes. And then there was another um, Marcus. Marcus Simmons. Simmons Mar- yeah. uh, another esteemed frat brother. He uh, led us in the black uh, national anthem. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of frat brothers. I do. I do. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> if you just tuned in, you're you're listening to McQuiba Reese, who is the Black History Month chair for 2019, and James Son- Sanders or Saunders? Yes, Sanders. Sanders. Oh, thank you. Sanders, the Black yes. History Month kickoff chair. Uh, they've been talking about um, events that have occurred since the History Month, Black mm-hmm. History Month kicked off. Now we're looking forward to something that's very special, very uh, very informative signature event, which occurs tomorrow, and that is the State of the Black Community Address. And the event will take place tomorrow at 6 p.m. at the City Hall Council Chambers. And I want to defer to my co-anchor, uh, who uh, not only <coughs> is an integral part of the planning, but also took part in the presentation last year and mm-hmm. gave sort of an eye-opening assessment of, of uh, affordable housing in the city of Bloomington uh, for African Americans. So, William, what can you tell you? What can you tell us about uh, tomorrow night's festivities? Well, first, the the program starts at six thirty. Six thirty. We'll have refreshments at five thirty, and then the program starts at six thirty. Okay. Is it from BJ's? Yeah, yeah. Okay. BJ's. Shout out to Gavin. Get there at five thirty. Gavin Everett, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Some good food. So we are going to be talking about um, a couple of different areas, uh, economics, criminal justice, and then education. Now, under the category of economics, you know, you think about uh, jobs and then uh, housing. Uh, Starting with uh, jobs, you know, we looked at some of the major employers here in Bloomington, and we want to know how many uh, black people are employed uh, by these major employers uh, mm-hmm. compared to the overall population. And uh, we have a lot of information to present on that, got it all nice, colorful charts and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got information from, uh, I'll just give you a couple of them, from uh, Indiana University, from the city of Bloomington, the county government, and then there were several others. And then uh, we looked at a little bit about employment and then unemployment. And you know, when you look at, uh, the Urban League puts out a report um, every year called the State of Black America. And so they go into a lot more detail about the different categories that they cover. You know, we, we, have, we only have, uh, what, an hour and a half to present what, what we want to talk about. So we had to limit our uh, topics that we wanted to discuss. So we focused on jobs, and then we also looked at uh, housing. You know, of all of the tens of thousands of homes owned in Monroe County, how many of these homes do black people own? Mm -hmm. So we have that information. And then the affordable housing market is such an issue here with uh, rent being as high Mm -hmm. high as it is. We wanted to know how many black people actually rent homes in Monroe County. And the only thing that we're able to present are the numbers. We don't have the amounts uh, Mm -hmm. that people pay for rent. And so also under housing, we took a look at uh, public housing. How many black people occupy uh, the public housing units uh, uh, out of that total number? I think total number is like 363. And then we also looked at the housing choice vouchers, which you probably know as section eight. they have, I think, maybe like 1,300 uh, housing choice vouchers issued in Monroe County. And so we want to know how many uh, uh, those vouchers are uh, issued to black folks. And then that's my area of uh, responsibility right there. Attorney William Morris is going to talk a little bit about the criminal justice system. Uh, we want to know, you know, compared to the overall population, how much time do black folks spend in jail? Um, 
there's this program called pretrial diversion, which means uh, I'm not going to get into this too much. But after you're arrested, um, you can pay a certain amount of money to get out of jail. Uh, but what in the study, what they found, of course, not everyone has that money. So who, whoever does not have those funds ends up staying in jail quite a bit longer. Right. And it's really not fair to uh, for somebody's freedom to depend on, you know, in those to circumstances, to depend on uh, how much money you have. And then he's going to talk about a few other topics. Now, Dr. Stephanie Power Carter, and she's bringing a couple of high school students to mm -hmm. uh, talk about education. Mm -hmm. She takes a look at the disparity in the uh, academic achievement and mm -hmm. the uh, disciplinary uh, uh, numbers. And then she has a few other items that she's going to talk about. And mm -hmm. again, I'm not going to give too much of it away, but she really has some uh, some information that that'll open your eyes, you know. So when you roll all of this up, <clears throat> what you end up with is kind of a snapshot of how the overall black community uh, fares compared to the majority population and even some of the other minority communities here mm -hmm. in Bloomington. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, we got a good response last year. I think uh, everybody will be uh, pleased to hear what we're going to present this year as well. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I know I was traveling back and forth to Indianapolis last year, so I couldn't make it for yeah. classes, but I look forward to attending and learning more information. Yes. Um, and I guess for the listeners, could you tell us more about the format? What What do you mean? The format of the state of the black community. Like, um, what's the format? Um, will it be a, uh, a like conversation? Oh, okay. I'm so, yeah. yeah, I got you. Well, it's going to be a presentation, uh, three different speakers, and then at the end we'll have question and answer. Nice. So how so. long will this event last? It'll probably last about an hour to 90 minutes, and, and that really depends on the Q&A. Awesome, mm -hmm. awesome, yeah. awesome. Um, and, of course, we know this, but um, for the listeners who may not know, um, it's important that they know that, you know, we're going to, you know, we wanna want you to come out, and we're going to feed you, and we're not going to hold you all night, you know. Go ahead and say it, James. Free food. <laughs> yeah. No, you know. And that, information. This information is, sure. is, is imperative for such such a time as this so for I think sure. that people should come yeah. out and listen to it and then after that the state of the black uh, community we have the essay contest for individuals mm -hmm. who have participated in um, the essays this year um, which will take place February 27th at 6 o'clock Fairview Elementary School and then we have the annual Black History Month Gala I'm so looking forward to that uh, March so 2nd uh, March 2nd, Hilton Garden Inn at 6 p.m. Those are the additional um, events that will take place. However, just like what William Hosea mentioned earlier, we're black 365 days. So there's always something going on, right? Yes. <laughs> well, well, you, you may have leapfrogged over, of course, a lot of different offerings, um, uh, both from the campus and from the city. One one in particular I want to draw your attention to is occurring on Thursday, February 21st, the Black Knowledge Bowl. Yes. Please don't stop the music. And and that has been a mainstay uh, ever since I was an undergrad at IU. And, and this is something that uh, teams have come with, with great hopes only to 
to maybe walk away empty-handed, but others have sort of had a dynasty going for several years. But can you, can either of you talk about the scope of the Black History Month Bowl? Well, I, I do know that it will center around uh, the incorporation of music as a sub-theme, Please Don't Stop the Music, mm-hmm. and that'll be uh, sort of a fun, as they bill it, a fun and interactive exploration of black music and pop culture. Yes. Um, so this has been a long-standing Black Culture Center, Neil Marshall Black Culture Center tradition, and before it was the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center, it was a tradition at IU. And the event is being planned and executed in conjunction with the Black Student Union and the African Student Association. One thing I like about Black History Month in Bloomington, it is very um, comprehensive, and there's something for everybody. Uh, in it. And you mentioned just quickly the essay contest, and, and of course that's for all grade levels. Uh, and, and there will be some fortunate recipients of awards during uh, the presentation on February the 27th, which is a Wednesday. And that'll be held at Fairview Elementary School, uh, 500 West 27th uh, here in Bloomington. Uh, of course, for African Americans in Bloomington, Black History Month sort of kicks off with Martin Luther King uh, Day observance. Mm-hmm. And it seems as if through the balance, of course, of January into February, uh, there are a lot of wonderful things of note. And so what what delights have you drawn from being a part of the planning committee? And if uh, anyone were interested in working with this next year, what would you tell them on the front end? Um, I would say um, I, I, I got into <coughs> to being a part of the Black History Month Planning Committee um, a couple of years ago when I um, created a video for the kickoff celebration. And um, even doing that small task, I put in, um, you know, a good amount of hours. And I would say to anyone um, wanting to get involved, just make sure that, you know, your heart is in it because it's... uh, um, there's no pay, and it, sometimes it's a, a thankless job, you know. You, so you really have to care about um, what you're doing and be very intentional on um, what you're trying to provide and get out of Black History Month because it's a it's a quid pro quo kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love interacting with community members. Um, I'm pretty much an extrovert, um, I would say. So I like that interaction. I, I like to learn things. The very first um, kickoff that I attended, uh, another one of my esteemed college um, <laughs> fraternity brothers, Dr. Charlie Nelm, spoke. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned lots of things, got lots of books, um, lots of references. And that's with any event um, during Black History Month. So, um, you know, there is room for anyone who wants to come, but just make sure that you know, you are, you know, really involved, you know, with planning and that you're really into the details because um, we don't do much micromanaging, you know, we just let people take things and, and go with it. And I would say the best way to get involved is to definitely come to events, uh, make your presence known. We welcome everyone to those events. And in order to get um, part of that committee, we, like I said, we encourage individuals to actually attend those events and then also reach out to the city liaison, uh, which is Satoya Moss. And um, her information is on the uh, uh, City of Bloomington website page, and you can get in contact with her. Um, So that's the best way to get involved. And I would say for my time 
uh, from internships and years and being part of um, just the vision and seeing uh, how Beverly, my mentor, has organized in her mindset and stuff like that. I think for me, um, what's really stood out to me was just the opportunity to network with um, individuals in Bloomington who are actually doing the work, who are committed to making Bloomington a welcoming environment place for young black and black black people in general. And so I really appreciate that. It just gave me an opportunity to uh, continue to evolve as I've been here in Bloomington. And I really do appreciate that. Now I remember you started as an <laughs> intern in Beverly's <laughs> office and look at you now. I know, it's absolutely amazing. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one thing I am glad that we have some events that have now become signature events and of course the state of the black uh, community. Uh, if last year's program was in the indicator, this this has a, a longevity. Um, uh, and there were a lot of awes and gasps in the audience as some data was shared because mm-hmm. we were working under a set of assumptions and yeah. we were given a dose of reality. Let, mm-hmm. let me say, add one more thing about the state of the black community. W- this is probably not going to be done every year. Okay. The reason being because that there's not enough activity within those categories mm. to move the needle mm-hmm. very much from year to year. So um, it just so happens the 2020 census takes place next year. So mm-hmm. after that, we'll get a whole new crop of uh, uh, very particular data that we can present. So we'll probably skip it for next year and pick it up again in 21. It sounds I like think we need a conference. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, given all that's going on nationally, uh, we have candidates jumping into the presidential race, oh, yes. uh, the first one being a woman of color um, who Community promises to, to really uh, drive some agenda issues. And then we have others who have followed suit. Uh, one who sort of, um, uh, one who, well, any of them hopefully will be successful and turning things around, if, uh, mm-hmm. if not unseating certain people. But um, I think maybe a town hall of uh, sorts to talk yes. about some relevant issues. You mentioned the census. Uh, we have the election year next year. Right. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on that's going to have be impactful for the black community. And, of course, we, uh, we did have the uh, Black History Month um, kickoff speakers, but then I'm thinking of the Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., um, birthday celebration. We had mm-hmm. some phenomenal speakers. Oh, yes. And, yes. Uh, yes. That itself would just generate a wonderful, wonderful town hall discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, we're about uh, at a point now, and, and McQueeba has one more thing to share, and then we'll, we'll allow her to make that statement. I just want to say for the 15th annual Black History Month Gala, those tickets are on sale right now. Uh, we have about 20 tickets left, so go ahead and grab those tickets from the BC the box office at the Burskart Chumley. Um, each ticket is $50, and they're uh, available right now, so go ahead and grab your tickets. We you look forward to online. seeing you there. You can buy them online, you can buy them online, and there are no fees attached, so $50 Got mine. flat. I have Anyhow. also purchased mine as well. Thank so you for thank having us. Thank you for uh, joining us. Our thanks to McQueeba Reese, Black History Month Chair, and James Saunders, Black History Month Kickoff Chair, for providing an overview of the annual State of the Black Community Address. This event takes place tomorrow at 6 p.m. at the City Hall Council Chambers. This signature event will feature a coalition of organizations discussing education, economics, and the criminal justice system as they relate to the Bloomington Black community.
mission directs us to promote and acknowledge the positive things going on in our black community. Of course, this includes recognizing the outstanding achievements of our youth. In our first segment, we were pleased to promote the work by Nitty Krishnan and Darby Fitzsimmons. Well, actually, that will be taking place in just a few seconds, but continue on. Yeah. We want to take a moment, though, to take uh, to draw attention to a wonderful article that was written by Carmen Searing for Bloom Magazine's 2019 February-March edition. The article is entitled Bloomington's Black Leaders of Tomorrow, and Bloom reached out to black civic organizations, current black community leaders, the Monroe County Community School Corporation, the City of Bloomington, area churches, and other groups for their recommendations. They were looking for students who are outstanding in scholarship, the arts, or other fields, who are involved in the community through volunteerism and activism, who show a generosity of spirit, and who demonstrate a commitment to improving their own lives and the lives of others. Ten students are featured from middle school through college who more than fit that description. They are advocates and artists, activists and athletes, and each of them shows great promise and potential. And it is our distinct pleasure to share with you the names of these individuals. Uh, the first is Santina Jester from Tri-North Middle School, Kaya Siebert from Bachelor Middle School, uh, Sabra Wagner from Jackson Creek Middle School, David Johnson from Bloomington High School South, Naomi Young from Bloomington High School South, Avery Najal from Bloomington High School North, Dexter Griffin from Bloomington High School South, 
Tamara Brown from Indiana University, Kayla Poor from Indiana University, and Phoebe Powell from Earlham College. Big congrats to all of the Bloom Magazine 2019 Bloomington Black Leaders of Tomorrow. A disclaimer, uh, Phoebe's my granddaughter. And I, I just watched William's face just brighten up uh, when, when he mentioned that. Uh, Bring It On does have an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for the program, of course we want to hear it. Send an email directly to our volunteer staff. The address is bringingon at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringingon at wfhb.org. Now, at the, at the beginning of the hour, we did mention that we would have some phenomenal students here with us. Uh, Nidhi uh, Krishnan and Darby Fitzsimmons, forgive me for slaughtering any names, are two dynamic students from Bloomington High School. They're here to speak with us concerning their social activism with various organizations within the city of Bloomington. I want to say, um, Nitty and Darby, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you so much for um, letting us come on the show and having us. Well, it's our pleasure, and I, and I know that right now you'd be at home studying. <laughs> of course. Finals week. Finals, finals week? Yep. Oh, my gosh, they just had snow right? days. How could it be finals week? Yeah, trying to catch up. <laughs> oh, I see. I get it. Um, but you all are both involved with a, with a host of things. Let me just read some of the things that, that you're involved with. Uh, Nitty, you're a senior at Bloomington South. You serve as the president of the Bloomington South Young Democratic Democrats. You're a program uh, director for that organization, but you're program director of Indiana High School Democrats. You're co-founder and leader of Bloomington's local chapter of students demanding action for gun sense in America. And you're currently working as the deputy field director for the John Hamilton uh, re-election campaign. And you're very passionate, as I read, about educational equality and criminal justice reform. And you hope to devote your career to fixing these injustices. And Darby, you are a sophomore at Bloomington South and you're involved with social activism and philanthropy from a young age, winning national and local recognition for youth philanthropy. You serve as High School Democrats of America's National Expansion Committee and as Development Director for South's Young Democrats. In the past, you volunteered for various state, local, and federal campaigns, and you're also a member of Habitat for Humanity and your school's debate team. And again, it's a pleasure to have you both. Both of you go to South? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, now last year, uh, Nitty, I heard you speak at the uh, a Democratic uh, banquet, uh, a formal banquet uh, fundraiser, and I got to tell you, she had uh, all of everybody's undivided attention in that room. And After I mean, the first sentence? <laughs> <laughs> no, when, when she picked up the mic. Yeah. <laughs> But I was I wanted to ask you if you could, could remember if you can give us just some of uh, a little bit of overview of what you talked about last year. Yeah, of course. So I basically um, talked about youth involvement as a whole and why it's really important to get youth involved in the political process and some of the stuff that my chapter of Young Democrats had been doing. And also I talked about the issues that I specifically cared about and what really made me passionate about um, getting involved. Specifically, I talked about 
um, Bloomington's own problem of racial disparity in our police force with the arrest rates. Um, I was reading a study in on Indie Star that said that Bloomington, Indiana actually had racial disparity in arrest rates worse than that of Ferguson, Missouri, which really shocked me. Um, I I really have enjoyed growing up in Bloomington, and I, I generally think that we're pretty open-minded, but at the same time, it kind of rocked me from this facade that everything's just, like, uh, very equal here. Like, I re- I began to realize that there is and there can be and is racial disparity in my own hometown that um, I wasn't seeing previously. Worse than Ferguson, huh? Mm-hmm. That's what the study said. That's interesting. Is that, that's one of the... Uh subjects that we're going to be talking about tomorrow during the state mm-hmm. of the black community address and and uh i'm going to have to talk to attorney morris he's presenting on that because we didn't uh come across that data mm-hmm. yeah um it was just one article so i'm not sure yeah. if it's like super credible but at the same time um the art the many articles that i read uh-huh. pointed to the very same uh, situation regardless of if if it's worse than ferguson or not um i mean there's still pretty present racial yeah. disparity yeah well darby your involvement as a social activist uh, you, you know when i think of social activists i don't think of individuals this young but it's refreshing to see that you're both uh, rolling your sleeves up and getting active in your community, but can you share with us, Darby, some of the things that you're involved with now and some of the things that through your research uh, you've been able to discover? Yeah, so I think a big part of social activism is lifting uh, other people up. I've been involved in philanthropy from a really young age. I've helped uh, raise money to build libraries um, both across the seas and locally. I've also been really active in the gun control movement. I was really proud to be able to attend the March for Our Lives movement last year. Uh, and I and I've also been really happy to speak with other students from around the state and around the country. Now I've been privileged enough to join the uh, National Executive Board. I also work with Habitat for Humanity locally. Uh, we build houses uh, and that's really important because, as you all know, you know, having a house, having that ownership of something is just so important. You know, you mentioned you were involved with March for Our Lives. Yeah. And we had students on last year to talk about that. Have you seen any gains? And and the reason why I ask that is that uh, I sense that some of the energy for that has sort of just dissipated. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, But can you perhaps share what you've seen and witnessed since that march? Well, what I've really seen is I've seen a greater acknowledge of like political participation around my peers uh, mm-hmm. among my peers whereas there wasn't before suddenly people are engaged they're reading the news uh, suddenly they're aware that you know issues that are happening at the federal level that might seem disconnected they really affect us and this was an issue that really brought that to light so i have actually seen some change just in the awareness of the issue okay and uh what's interesting is for the first time in eight years the uh congress has held hearings on gun control now, what's the name of the organization that, that, that you were involved with? March for Our Lives? Yeah, March for Our Lives. Um, it is, you hold a position? No, it was, uh, it was actually organized by the Bloomington Students Against Assault Weapons Group. Yeah. I'm not uh, currently active with them, but one of the great things about March for Our Lives was that it was so inclusive. You didn't necessarily have to be uh, a member or an officer or anything to get involved. We had students from our school speak at the rally. Uh, we had so it was really a ground up organization and everyone was able to be involved regardless of your status. Okay. 
William, you mentioned uh, hearings uh, on this very topic of uh, gun control and, and imposing restrictions on access uh, to guns. Did you, Darby, uh, watch some of the hearings or some of the, I would say, the low lights from the hearing from last week? It got very contentious. And I there, didn't actually. Well, there was a father those. that was uh, trying to raise awareness uh, and trying to uh, talk about the loss of his son and what that did to him. And he was just disrespected by uh, the member of Congress to the point that, um, you know, it was reported, reported on national news and clips of that were reported. This is a serious issue. And he was just basically uh, minimized and marginalized um, in front of other parents who are still, you know, healing from that, from those situations. Um, uh, Nitty, did you see that at all? Yeah, I saw a few of the clips, um, I believe, um, of some of the congressmen kind of diverting the issue. Mm -hmm. And instead of talking about like the problem of gun control, they talked about the problem of building a wall and immigration to say that um, it's not a problem of guns, like the most dangerous people, and these are their words, were, were, um, they said that the immigrants were causing these, the illegal immigrants were causing these mass shootings. So that was troubling for me to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the, the big issues that confront you um, as students in high school right now? Uh, William and I, we were going to school when... Um, all we had were pencils with leads. We didn't have ink pens. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what are He's what are speaking some of for himself? <laughs> <laughs> we had slate and chalk, but what are some of the issues that were um, that are currently pressing that, that you're very worried about, or do you feel that great progress is being made and controlling or, or correcting? Well, I think both. Um, personally, for me, um, I've grown up in a pretty privileged community where our schools are pretty funded. But one of the issues that really speaks to me is educational inequality. I know that um, not all schools have the same resources that we do, and that's uh, in part due to how we fund the schools by property taxes rather than a more centralized system of like state taxes. Um, so I know that not every student gets the same opportunities that I have gotten. There's a huge disparity in um, uh, money allotment that makes like different programs available to different schools. And I think that really affects like high school graduate rate, the high school dropout rate, and a lot of other factors that go into um, someone's success in the world. I noticed that uh, a lot of school districts still complain that the um, oh. They had a phrase for it, but internet connection is yeah, still an broadband, issue. Yeah, broadband, yeah. Broadband connection is still an issue yeah. with a lot of schools. And, how, and and you go through the course of a day, how many classes do you not use some type of iPad or have access to a computer? Some school districts, they're not even at first base with this. Yeah, exactly. With the technological um, innovations, we're using computers in pretty much everything that we do. Um, and that's really why we've been lucky in MCCSC, every student has a laptop. Every high school student has their own laptop to take home. But in, um, and like we're, I think that the problem of not having rural broadband access um, happens more in rural districts because there aren't um, quality service providers, like internet mm -hmm. service providers. Mm -hmm. So that's like the problem that the uh, rural students are running into. But just to think if I wasn't able to get um, 
to access Wi-Fi at my home, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to do any of my work. So I think that that's definitely a technological gap that's holding some schools back, not being able to um, access that technology. And Darby, any uh, comments from uh, on your reflections or your observations on what you see currently that need correction in, in high school? Yeah, so I think a really big problem is just the cost of college. Um, I, I'm just a sophomore, but a lot of my friends are already thinking about it, and they're seeing their family situations, and they're thinking, you know, I could get into a better college, but we're not going to be able to afford that. Uh, we're facing we're facing student loans until we're in our 60s just to go to college, and college is no longer an option. It's To get a degree, it's a necessity now. And so you also perpetuate that kind of generational poverty, that inequality that Nidhi was talking about, because... Uh, oftentimes, even if you can get into a better uh, into a better school, you might not be able to afford to go to a better school. You might not, might not be able to afford uh, to not get a job to help provide for your family. And scholarships and FAFSA, they're not adequate in this country to cover all that. And we have a government that's uh, not making that any easier. In fact, they seem to be just putting roadblocks in place uh, to hinder uh, students from getting higher education. Uh, Darby, I wanted to ask you first, and then, Nidia, I want you to ask this also. Out of the many activities and organizations that you're involved with, which one commands most of your time? Well, right, it depends on the time of year. Right now, debate, uh, we're gearing up for our big districts competition, but I'm also involved in high school Democrats constantly. I'm on the National Expansion Committee, uh, so we're involved in spreading our, our message and spreading our organization to other states. So that's a big commitment, but it's also a fantastic commitment. I get to work uh, with people all over the country in spreading these democratic values, these uh, people values that I, I hold so dear. Yeah, for me, I would definitely have to second that. Um, me and Darby both do debate. So um, right now it's pretty, um, it's debate season. Like that's all, that's most all we do. But um, normally I think that throughout this year, um, and the summer especially, I have just this year started with my co-founder, um, a chapter of Students Demand Action in Bloomington. So just because we're starting this from like scratch, this is a has taken a lot of planning time and just um, time to really develop the organization so that's so that it's something that will stand um, and continue even when I go off to college. Okay, I'm not asking for you to declare the winner or um, <laughs> put, your, put yourself out there, but uh, we cannot ignore the fact that uh, people are now throwing their hats or bonnets in, rather, uh, to run for the highest office in the land. Um, and not to put you on the spot to declare a winner or to say you like this person over someone else, but maybe in, in a broader question, who are you happy uh, with that is in the race and who do you hope perhaps thinks twice about throwing their hat at? I think there's, it's, I'm glad that we have so many presidential contenders. I think that it's really going to help us get the absolute best candidate possible. I'm really in the uh, Kamala Harris camp right now. I think she did a lot to, a lot of reform efforts in California as a prosecutor, and I'm really in favor of her work with the system, uh, get inside of the system, don't just fight on the steps of the Capitol, get inside the Capitol. I really, I really like her message, message there, but I think there's a lot of good candidates. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, actually, South Bend mayor, uh, he is uh, more of a long shot candidate, but I also really like what he's done with the city. 
Yeah, it's funny. Darby and I were just talking about this outside. Um, so I think that my top choice at this point would be Elizabeth Warren. Um, I really like her policies, and I think that she's been a constant advocate for um, progressive policy. I also like Pete Buttigieg uh, for some part that he's an Indiana resident and um, that we would have that connection. But at the same time, I, I really think that um, he is very electable um, just because he he comes from a more rural district and he's been able to turn um, South Bend into a really bustling um, city. And I think that he's also really inspiring as well. He has really progressive ideology. Now, now let me ask you this. Uh, that was a two-part question I had. You're, you obviously have shared who you're pleased with, uh, with those individuals in the race, but who do you hope really just thinks twice about putting their hat in there? I know it's controversial, but I've never been a really big Bernie Sanders fan. I actually like his policies. I like how he's pushed the party left. But oftentimes when pressed for exactly how he's going to accomplish things, he can't give an answer. He can't explain how we're going to, you know, provide, uh, put in Medicare for all, which I support, without ballooning the deficit. So I like, I like to lean a little bit more on the technocrat side, and Bernie's more of like a big ideas person. So, and also he's getting up there in age. So I prefer if he stays out of the race and just kind of becomes a kingmaker. Well, if, if you think Bernie's getting up there in age, what about Joe Biden? Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's pretty old, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the folds are really light. No, not no, no. Uh, uh, Nitty, if, you, if you'll share your, your observations on the same question. I would say that both Bernie and Joe Biden, additionally, like, I think that um, – I really do identify with a lot of Bernie's policies, but at the same time, I think that he had his shot, and I was very displeased as um, at the turnout of the last election when a lot of Bernie supporters um, ended up staying home from the polls. So I don't, I don't want to run the risk of that happening again. And if Bernie doesn't win the primary, um, the Bernie supporters just boycotting the whole election. I think that Bernie stirs up very passionate emotion in a lot of people. And I really want to make sure that um, whoever is the Democratic nominee, the Democrats will support them. Additionally, Joe Biden, I mean, <sighs> I think that he's the most moderate candidate. Um, and I just don't think that he has like much more exciting policies to propose. I think he's trying to uh, work himself up to declare and to run. That, that's just my oh, observation. Oh gosh! <laughs> I think he was in a race with uh, Colin Powell. They're, they were they were racing. Um, oh, um, the night show talk host that retired. I forget his name, but uh, uh, he had two vintage cars, and they were racing these cars. And I'm thinking, I never thought I'd turn TV on and see this happening. Um, but but again, if you've just joined us, oh my gosh, we've been having a very um, uh, interesting conversation with our future, our promise here. Uh, Nini Krishnan and Darby Fitzsimmons. Uh, Darby is a sophomore at Bloomington High School South, and Nitty is a senior about to spread wings and fly. Have you decided upon a college? No, um, I've gotten um, a couple of uh, acceptance slash rejections back, but at the same time, I'll get a lot more um in April. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely a person who needs to consider all of the factors. I can't just make an impulsive decision. Okay, now this is 2019. Now in 2029, am I going to see your name on a ballot box somewhere? <laughs> um, yeah, I hopefully. Um, I was thinking of running for school board just because I think that it's really important um, to have youth control, like people who actually understand what it is to be a student um, controlling some of the 
some of the decisions that the school board makes. But um, I obviously that's just a thought. All right, Darby. I think you should go for it. <laughs> Darby, you're Thank a sophomore, you. and uh, you have a couple years yet to go. Um, uh, any aspirations in, in 2031? Uh, I would also like, I think local politics is really nice, state-level politics. I I, uh, I really love getting down and dirty, you know, campaigning in the neighborhoods, talking to people. That's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, we ran out of time, but I was going to ask you about that. All right. Well, we want to thank Nitty Krishnan and Darby Fitzsimmons, two dynamic students from Bloomington High School South, for coming on and speaking with us concerning their social activism and various organizations within the city of Bloomington. And again, our thanks to McQueeba Reese, uh, who is a Black History Month chair, and James Sanders, Black History Month kickoff chair, for providing an over- overview of events that have uh, uh, transpired already. And of course, looking forward to the State of the Black Community Address tomorrow at 6 p.m. at the City Hall Council Chamber. And again, this is the second annual event. Uh, may not occur every year, but it's a signature event nonetheless that will feature a coalition of organizations discussing education, economics, and the criminal justice system as they relate to the Bloomington Black community. If you have an event or happening the African American community should know about, please send that info directly to our Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, we actually didn't do calendar, please contact us at bring it on at wfhb.org. Uh, but we did talk about an outstanding. And our show producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB News Director, uh, News Department Director Wes Martin. And tonight's board engineering team consisted of Taya Wilson and Chantal LaFontaine. Our original theme music was created by Jamel Effiam with additional background tracks by David uh, Baker. And for WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. I'm William Hosea. Be sure to tune in next Monday, February the 18th at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On on your community radio station, WFHB. Late. You've been listening to Bring It On a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.